Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. Now, the best books are made up of stories. And let's face it, the best stories are about bouncing back from failure. I'm Anna David, obsessed with books, a New York Times bestselling author and the CEO of Legacy Launchpad Publishing. And I only achieved those things because I picked myself up again after failing and found my way to success. And that makes me uniquely qualified to get the best stories about failure and success out of other people. Failure is always a learning experience. So after six months, I told him that I Googled sociopath and he had all of the symptoms and I found myself out of job. At that time, it was supposed to be a side hustle. Well, the side hustle started to make far more money than the real hustle. So I, after six months, I, I quit my job. Welcome to Fail Your Way to Success. Hello and welcome to the podcast that... Uh, loves to celebrate failure, success, and everything in between. I am your uh, doyen of failure, Anna David. I am doing a solo episode today that I am so excited about that I can safely say I will never be this excited about any episode because it is about Taylor Swift, the entrepreneur. I am a Swifty through and through. I don't even really know how to talk about it in a way that wouldn't bore you to death. So I'm just going to say, if you're saying Taylor Swift, she's not an entrepreneur. Well, by August of 2023, the economic impact of her era's tour had already exceeded $10 billion. And just in LA in six nights, she created 330. 3,300 jobs, which generated $29 million. And the Fed says she alone fueled the national tourism industry. So tell me she's not an entrepreneur. No, I didn't go to the show because my son was born right before. And it's, uh, but I have seen the concert movie three times, danced all the way through. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about the successes and the failures of uh, the woman who has, whatever you think of her, has become um, the single most successful uh, musician of all time. But it has not just been one straight line to the top. And if you don't know much about her, and in fact, you're one of those people who who seems to just go, oh God, she's so boring, whatever. Uh, I think this will be very interesting to you. If you do love her, you're, I already got you. So she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. Uh, got a guitar as a Christmas present. I am not sure when. I know that it is in her, it's a scene in her documentary, Miss Americana, which I've seen several times. It is also um, in her video, Christmas Tree Far, but don't know what age. So age nine, she starts taking vocal and acting lessons. She wants to be like Shania Twain or Faith Hill. Um, So then this computer repairman, uh, when she's 12 years old, teaches her to play guitar and help her with her first song. So she writes, lucky you. And she begs her parents to move to Nashville from Philadelphia, where they live in this Christmas tree farm. 
and her parents, who seem like the parents we all wish we had, say yes. Uh, he, the dad transfers uh, to his office in Nashville. She's 14. They move to Hendersonville. She uh, goes to high school. Um, and she's bullied because of her curly hair and treated like an outcast by her peers because she wants to be a country singer. And my God, that's like a really bizarre thing, even in Nashville, to want to do as a middle schooler. Um, and there is this quite well, if you're a Swiftian, as I am, there's this kind of well-known anecdote, which is that she asked her friends to go to the Berkshire Mall one day, and they all gave excuses. This is when she was in middle school. So she goes to the mall with her mom, and you know what happens? She sees them all there without her. I don't know about you, but my God, do I relate to that experience. Um, and she ends up writing a song about that called Best Day. And it's, oh, it's just so cute. I'm 13 now. Don't know how my friends could be so mean, but it's all about how she has the best day with her mom. So here we have someone experiencing a personal failure and making it not just into um, a success, but but a song about it. Um, so, so things move along, 14, 16, she is, quote, discovered at Nashville's Blue Blurred Cafe by a guy named Scott Borchetta, and she becomes one of his company, Big Machine's first signing, 17, she releases her first single, it's called Tim McGraw, this is very smart of her, because, um, you know, uh, she names a song after a successful country star, and, um, and it peaks at number five on the U.S. Billboard 200. Um, so things are moving along. She becomes the youngest person to be honored by the with the BMI Songwriter of the Year title in 2007. She wins CMAs, ACMs, AMAs, while also securing a nomination for Best New Artist at the 50th uh, Grammy Awards. Uh, one of my favorite stories about her is uh, the song Love a Love Story. Uh, she was 19. She wrote it in 20 minutes after having an argument uh, with her parents about a boy. And it's all about Romeo and Juliet. And um, wow, maybe I'll have these songs interspersed throughout. Anyway, um, but but the, she changes it because she's Taylor Swift. It doesn't have a tragic ending. It says it has a happy ending. So, um, she releases her second album, Fearless, in 2008. Love Story is the lead single. Uh, then You Belong With Me. They're all hitting the charts. In 2009, which is the time a lot of us first became aware of her, she wins the MTV Award and Kanye West, before we knew his serious issues, steps onto the stage and says Beyonce should have won and she is clearly devastated uh she'd arrived in the cinderella carriage um and if you see interviews there's footage of her being interviewed after and it is so sad and sweet and she's trying so hard not to cry and, and people are going like how do you feel about it and she goes well it's kanye west and apparently a college dropout was the first album she and her brother bought on itunes when she was 12 years old um and so you know it's humiliating and even uh, everybody's talking about it. Obama calls Kanye West a jackass over it, but it's, oh, you know, it, it's horrible to have, you know, this thing you dream of having happen be taken away from you. Then uh, she and Kanye reconcile. In 2016, he releases a track called 
famous with the controversial lyrics, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex, why I made that bitch famous. There is a lot of, okay, here's what happens. Kanye says, well, she agreed that she okayed this lyric. She says, I absolutely did not okay this lyric. Kim Kardashian, who is then married to Kanye West, um, tells GQ uh, that she did know. She releases audio that makes it sound like Taylor agreed. Uh, Everybody sides with the Kardashian. Uh, Hashtag Kim exposed Taylor party starts trending. Um, And it's horrible. So she, we all think she's a liar and a snake. Um, and, uh, that then she just goes away. She goes dark. Uh, and, uh, and then she basically goes dark and goes and records her album reputation. Um, and she later tells Elle magazine Um, that the hate campaign is what she called it, affected her deeply, but she repurposed the symbol her her haters used to bully her, which was the snake, um, and, uh, and, and made this new album. So she said, all I could think about was the incessive manipulative bullying I received at Kanye's hands for years, uh, like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call, um, then, um, and then, Scooter Braun um, got his two clients to bullies and Justin Bieber's bullying. It's all this stuff. Um, and uh, the video for Famous basically has a girl who looks a lot like Taylor Swift naked. And um, it's, it's, it's super humiliating, super terrible. Um, and she says she felt like she was going through a grieving process that involves so many micro emotions in a day. Uh, so uh, she didn't do any interviews for reputation because she says she couldn't figure out how she felt hour to hour. Uh, she was grateful for the opportunity to grow and resentful of how much it took. Um, and she said, sometimes I felt like all these things taught me something I never could have learned in a way that didn't hurt as much, which, oh my God, can we just summarize failing and how it can lead to success, the opportunity to grow um, through this public humiliation and, as it turns out, total liars. Um, So uh, in the end, this humiliation at the hands of Kanye West and his then-wife, Kim Kardashian, as she said, it helped her to break free of her image as this, quote, always smiling, always happy, America's sweetheart thing, um, and so she made it into a success. Um, so she, despite that, she's never going to be probably thanking them. Um, so uh, she told Time when Kardashian released this edited conversation Taylor said, my career was taken away from me. You have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to everyone to to say that I was a liar. So she moves to a foreign country. She says she didn't leave a rental house for a year. She was afraid to get on phone calls. Uh, She pushed most people in her life away because she didn't trust anybody. And she really, really went downhill. People were writing some really nasty things. I found something from... Um, it was from Forbes where it's just like, 
Uh, maybe Swift's ticket sales are bombing because her fans can no longer relate to her. Uh, and it's talking about the difference between 1989 and reputation. Um, this was from January 4th, 2018. Um, now let's talk about today. She sold more than 13 million albums. She's outsold Elvis. She is a billionaire. Um, she uh, is the top-selling digital artist in music history. Uh, is the only person to have the number one best-selling album in any genre of music in both 20, 2009, 2008 and 2009. Um, sh- let's see. Um, she The Eras Tour grossed over a billion dollars uh, in 2023. She was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Uh, when she decided she wanted to uh, release her concert as a movie. Now... Anybody who wants to do that, they just go and they're like, okay, so their agent like goes and, and makes a deal or whatever. She's like, apparently her dad said, uh, why don't we just bypass the studios? They go directly to AMC and they're like, this is our movie. Do you want it? Uh, she is very obsessed with the number 13 is her lucky number. She was her birthdays on the 13th. Um, there's all sorts of reasons that 13 is her lucky number. Um, and then 1989, which is the year she was born, and then, you know, the name of her album. Um, so I, of course, saw the movie in the theater. So everything, the ticket sales, everything is 1989 or 1313, including uh, the popcorn they sell, uh, the, the merch that was with it. And I will say, because I also did stream the movie, uh, you know how if you're going to buy a movie on Prime or whatever it is, uh, it's one price if you want to rent it and one price if you want to buy it. And there's HD and not HD. This was just 1989. $19.89, and yeah, either, you know, you rented it for $19.89 or you didn't see it. Um, that's what I'm calling some badass baller moves. Taylor Swift makes the rules. It's her world. We're just living in it. Um, there, There's a very famous battle that took place between uh, Taylor and Scott Borchetta, who was the guy who, quote unquote, found her. So he sold... Um, Basically, he sold the rights to her music to her arch enemy, this Scooter Braun guy. And um, it was horrible. Allegedly, Kelly Clarkson said to her, why don't you just re-record those albums? You still have the ability and the rights to re-record them, release them as in parenthetical Taylor's version. And everybody who supports you is going to buy that version that's going to benefit you and not the old version that's going to benefit them completely wins at this game. Um, I don't know about you. I only listen to Taylor's version. So she has re-recorded many of her albums, including Red, 1989. Um, Red, she famously released the 10-minute version of the song All Too Well, which is supposedly about Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, And... In the time that that has happened, Scooter Braun has been like 
inspired by Justin Bieber and all these other clients. Um, she, she wrote this great song called My Tears Ricochet, which is all about that. Um, basically, you know, she talks, she's got this song called Karma, but she talks a lot about karma in different songs or she sings a lot about it. And if you cross Taylor Swift, I'm telling you, look at Kanye West today, look at Scooter Braun today. As it turns out, of course, uh, that was, um, a doctored tape that Kim Kardashian released. Um, Taylor did hear, because we've now heard the full audio, she did hear that he was going to say a line, uh, sing a line about how he thinks they could still have sex, but the, uh, the line about, I made that bitch famous, no, she never did approve that. So she, of course, was telling the truth, and um, the West slash Kardashians were not. Um, here, here are some of her quotes about success and failure. My mistakes led to the best things in my life. She said, getting back up, dusting yourself off and seeing who still wants to hang out with you afterwards and laugh about it. That's a gift. Because I've listened to every single thing that ever has to do with her. I did listen to this podcast of Vanessa Grigoriadis, who is actually a friend of mine. Uh, has this amazing podcast called Infamous, and she talks, they did three or I think four episodes about how she interviewed Taylor Swift for uh, Rolling Stone back in the day, her very first Rolling Stone cover, and she talked about those girls at the mall who left her out and mean-girled her as, um, you know, in this way that we can all relate to, and she said that all those girls, when she first started performing, showed up at her show and she forgave them all. I don't think she should have, but she's nicer than I am. She gave the commencement speech at NYU, and it's a brilliant speech. I have uh, watched it several times, and I highly recommend it. Uh, In it, she said, it seems to me there is a false stigma around eagerness in our culture of, quote, unbothered ambivalence. This outlook perpetuates the idea that it's not cool to, quote, want it. The people who don't try hard are fundamentally more chic than people who do. And I wouldn't know because I've been a lot of things, but I've never been an expert on chic. But I'm the one who's up here, so you have to listen to me when I say this. Never be ashamed of trying. Effortlessness is a myth. The people who wanted it the least were the ones I wanted to date and be friends with in high school. The people who want it the most are the people I now hire to work for my company. Ah, so good. Because, you know, you will, I can say one thing about Taylor. She doesn't hide that she's ambitious. Um, She also said the times I was told no or wasn't included, wasn't chosen, didn't win, didn't make the cut. Looking back, it really feels like those were moments were as important, if not more crucial than the moments I was told yes. It is so easy to look at her and to just assume, like this blessed, uh, you know, rise to the top. And it has not been that. Um, she said, not being invited to the parties and sleepovers in my hometown made me feel hopelessly lonely. But because I felt alone, I would sit in my room and write the songs that would get me a ticket somewhere else. Having label executives in Nashville tell me that only 35-year-old housewives listen to country music and there was no place for a 13-year-old on their roster made me cry in the car on the way home. But then I'd post my songs on MySpace, and yes, MySpace, and would message with other teenagers like me who loved country music but just didn't have anyone singing from their perspective. Um, so this is, uh, you know, and, and she did say this also in the 
in the uh, recordings that Vanessa played on Infamous, where she talked about, yes, she had hard times at school, but she always knew that she could go home and write a song about it. Um, I just don't know that there's anybody out there who is a better example of uh, making their pain into something that uh, has the sort of widespread appeal most of us can't even fathom. So there you have it. Um, that is my wrap up of the failures and successes of Taylor Swift, um, our truth teller and uh, one of the greatest entrepreneurs of our time. I hope you loved this. Uh, I Swifty or not, uh, I hope you loved this this breakdown. There's so much more I could say about her, but I wanted to limit this to under 20 minutes. So uh, Doyen of Failures signing off. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Fail Your Way to Success. Now, if there's anything I love more than a failure to success story, it's a review. So I hope you'll think about leaving one. For more information about the show, go to failyourway.com. And for more information about publishing a book about how you failed your way to success, or just to find out more about what I do, go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. <laughs>